it's really inspired me to ensure that you know whatever we work on um, that we're creating these really safe um, really inspirational environments for our employees because at the end of the day you know we're in this industry because we love it today on dirty linen we are going to have a really important and pretty tough conversation with Stephanie Wee, a hospitality worker in Perth. I just want to put a trigger warning at the top of this episode and say that we are going to be talking about abusive relationships, sexual assault and coercive control. Uh, so if that's not where you're at at the moment, then yeah, see you, see you for another episode. Um, but yeah, if you're sticking with me, I think these are really important conversations that we need to have and have again to create change in hospitality and in society at large. So Steph um, has been working in hospitality for a decade. She's been a cafe owner. She's worked as a chief concierge at a big hotel, and she's currently working for a big hospitality group in operations. Stephanie, welcome to Dirty Linen. Hi, Danny. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, yeah, I think we we know that we need people to work in hospitality, to love hospitality and to lead rich, fulfilling and, yeah, just safe and happy lives while they're doing it. So thank you for being part of a movement towards that. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be um, part of this conversation. It's It's really important to me. Awesome. So, there. Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your What's your background, and and how have you come up in Hospo? Yeah. So, um, as you mentioned, Danny, um, I've been in hospitality for ten years. Um, I actually used to be in the TV industry back in Singapore, and then I, when I moved to Australia, kind of just you know got into hospitality casually at first. But you know, it's just something once you love it, it's it's really hard to leave. Um, so I've owned my own cafe. So it was like a patisserie. Um, it was, you know, a, I would say 90% of my staff were female, um, female head chef, female uh, manager, female head barista. So that was a really great time, like such a um, really inclusive and open environment. Um, and then after that, I was a chief concierge at a hotel, which was interesting. It, it went from being an all-female, leading an all-female team to leading an all-male team in um, what's traditionally a really um, male-dominated role, I suppose. Um, and then I've been working for a large hospital group for about, I would say, nine months now. Okay. So, I mean... There are so many great women working in hospitality and we love to celebrate female leaders in the industry and, you know, those that are, are coming up through um, through the ranks in different businesses as well. But, I mean, what do you think overall, like big picture about, you know, the place of women in hospitality, you know, are, are things getting better? Is it still a very male-dominated world? Like where do you think things are at? I think, um, you know, it's changing for sure. Like, you know, we've seen a lot more prominent um, female head chefs, a lot of female business owners, um, even here in WA, like the head of tourism, like it's female. Um, that's really incredible. Um, but at the same time, I still think it's still a very top-heavy male um, environment. It's still a boys' club in a lot of restaurants, um, and, you know, I think it's just, you know, going all the way back to like that whole um, 
kitchen brigade kind of um, structure um, in a way that's kind of always been there and it may take a while more to change. But I think it's getting better, like compared to 10 years ago. Mm. I think, yeah, I think sometimes we can think that things are better and therefore they're good enough. But do you think that there's, I mean, there is a a way to go. Do you think that it's still an industry that can be super tough and damaging for women? Oh, 100%. I think, you know, and we've seen it happen in, in all these other like big industries, like in like politics, I guess it's probably the most, the biggest one here in Australia, but in sports in entertainment, there's always, always room for it to be better. Um, I think especially in hospitality, there's still, you know, really rampant sexual harassment. Um, I, I remember reading like it, it's as common as like up to 80% of women still experience it. Um, quite a large percentage of males ex- actually experience it as well. So, you know, that's way too high a figure. It, it's way too normalised still and, and that really needs to change. And, uh, you know, from your own experience, what kinds of things have you seen um, that have, yeah, shocked you or, or that you think are, are just, yeah, not as they should be? Um, I mean, for myself, like I, like even just um, from a more like everyday kind of perspective, obviously just, you know, dealing with really um, unwarranted and unwanted behaviour from either like customers or um, colleagues, you know, like the usual like suggestive comments or um, sometimes like crude sexual remarks where you kind of, brush off and go like, oh, that's normal or you don't really want to call it out, Um, you know, that it's still really, really common. Um, But then even sort of on a more serious, I guess, um, serious way that I've experienced it is being um, in an abusive relationship um, and just kind of looking back in hindsight and realising how much, I guess, of that um, behaviour um, was reflected and encouraged, I guess, by the industry. So, yeah. um, in in what way? Like, is it that is it a sort of like a bro type culture, or what kinds of, in, I guess, endorsement or reinforcement can people find in an industry that they can then that can then, I suppose, give them permission to behave in a certain way. Yeah, I think that that blokey bro culture, um, I, I, I want to say especially in kitchens, but I think it's quite widespread even, you know, in, in um, front of house, but just that that normalisation of it that, that's not right. Like, um, and I think a lot of, um, a lot of, if you think about it, a lot of our frontline employees in hospitality, they're, they're typically um, female, they're typically a bit younger. Um, and because of that power imbalance um, with um, men being in the majority of, you know, these management and ownership roles, that kind of, that imbalance kind of creates that tolerance almost or like ignorance and normalisation of a lot of things that shouldn't be happening. Um, and I guess because a lot of, maybe even like the celebrity chef culture even or 
I don't know, there's something about like people of prominence and authority in the hospitality industry, and I guess across every industry, um, you know, they do use that power and they do leverage their influence to to dominate others. Um, and that's not called out enough, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess, a lot of the dynamics that you're talking about you know, you can, you can find them in a workplace and also in a personal relationship, as you've talked about it. I mean, do you think it, do you think seeing some of those dynamics normalized in a workplace culture makes it harder to see them for what they are in a personal relationship? Oh, a hundred percent. Like I think I, I look back now, you know, and um, I, I, have to be really cautious with a avoiding self-blame because it, it would be way too easy for me to go oh you should have seen that coming or you should have picked up that really bad behavior then um, but because it's so normalized you kind of almost get groomed into thinking it's okay um yeah that's just yeah I mean I'm so sorry that you experienced that it's just it's really upsetting um to think about it even without knowing details I'm almost crying just hearing you talk about it and I can so understand um getting into that dynamic of yeah just on the verge of of blame and just, I suppose you know how did how did I let this happen when of course it, you know it's something that's enacted upon you yeah it's always the other person and that's something you know I've had I'm still learning um and something that I I was listening to something recently about even say um sexual harassment like comments like the way that we should be reacting to them is like we shouldn't be going oh like I invited those comments oh it's me no it's completely on this other person and like the way we respond to it should change where um you know, you call them out, but also you make them actually stop and think about what they've said um, and not be afraid of actually going, that's not right. That makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, even if, like, I think it's really interesting. I think um, legislation actually says that even if there was no intent and even if it was a once of comment, that is illegal. So that's really, really important um, for people to know because it does put the power back to them to be able to say something. Yeah, that, that is really interesting It's because it, it takes such presence of mind because often these incidences can be so shocking and especially if it's part of a relationship dynamic where you're really embedded in it, it's it can be so, it, I mean, I think being silenced is, is all, very often part of these behaviors or that's the effect of these behaviors is you know silence is one of the impacts and to have the presence of mind to I suppose at first like notice what's going on to unpick it to um, realize that it's wrong and and to call it out and to you know try to affect change upon the other person that is so much to take on that is so much work mm. oh yeah it's, it's exhausting but I guess like it's also that realization um, that you you can only, oh, sorry, I'm just trying to gather my thoughts. Um, of course. It's not supposed to be self-blame, but it's about recognising that 
this other person is in the wrong. Yeah. And I guess also, you know, knowing that there is that legal backup and hopefully in some instances, but let's let's talk about this in a bit, hopefully sometimes there's HR backup, it, it is that even if you didn't come up with the right or well, did come up with an effective response in the moment, that, that doesn't mean it's over. Oh, no, yeah, it shouldn't be over. Like I think um, if there's always ways, I guess, to, to escalate it or to do something about it. Mm. So, you know, in the workplace setting, Steph, you know, often restaurants are really, they're small businesses, there's no HR department, uh, you know, everyone's stretched and running on close to empty. I mean, what do you think are the kind of structural issues with, to, in dealing with these kinds of things in, in small businesses and larger businesses? Yeah, no, that's really good, Danny. Um, I think that, yeah, like what you said, with a lot of um, restaurants, especially if they're like a smaller independent um, restaurant that's um, owner-operated, like, you know, usually, A, a lot of the time, the owner may not actually have the time or resources to actually put into this um, to have that understanding of, oh, I should actually look into my um, HR policies for if an incident like this happens. Um, it's also really tricky as well if they, um, you know, it's their commercial interest, right? So um, sometimes employees may not want to say something or they feel like they can't say anything because it's too closely tied to, to um, the, the restaurants, um, you know, like... They don't. They kind of go. Oh, I, I don't want to. Um, my employer won't do anything anyway because it's their business, um, and they don't want it to be out in the public domain that you know this is happening. So that's really, really tricky as well. But I think even um, for a small business, that there's things that can be done, like even just looking, having those open conversations with staff members, like being, um, you know, creating that safe environment where they know who they can talk to about it um, even if they're uncomfortable say with going straight you know to the owner like is there something in your your management structure that you know gives them that sense of um, yeah they can report it to this person um, maybe um, but obviously, like with larger hospitality groups and hospitality businesses, you know, making sure that the you know, whoever's in HR, like really um, that this is, sorry, like this is almost like the forefront of converse, conversations um, early on so that it's almost like mentioning it before it even happens because if you leave it too late, like your employees may not even know how to react, who to go to. Yeah, I think that's such a good point um, that it should be, yeah, proactive, not just reactive. Yeah, yeah. Have you encountered any anything that's been like really helpful from an employer that's made you feel safer at work? I think um, like my current employee, like they um, – I, they really do prioritize um, the company values um, of, you know, integrity and family. Um, and that's really incredible because you, I've, you know, obviously had to just speak about my own experience of um, 
this abusive relationship and in ensuring that I'm safe at work. Um, and them, like, you know, I had a conversation with HR and they actually went, what can we do um, to actually make sure that you're okay? Um, and, you know, reminding me that I had access to um, employee the employee assistance program, which I know not all hospitality companies, especially um, smaller restaurants and cafes have access to. But that was really incredible to know that I had access to that um, and just constantly actually just checking in. Yeah, that sounds to keep those channels open and to, yeah, keep the conversation going. I mean, I'm just sort of, you know, pondering as you're talking, like what kinds of things could really small businesses do um, to create a safer environment? You've already talked about, you know, I guess pointing people towards someone they could talk to. Um, I mean, some businesses are, are really small, like perhaps you know, it's perhaps there isn't that right person to talk to. I mean, are there sort of, yeah, what other kinds of strategies do you think could be employed either from the employee or employer side to, yeah, create safer environments? Yeah, I, I mean, I've read about like, you know, some smaller like cafes almost like appointing um, one of their staff members, say like the um, hires like rank uh, I hate using that term but almost like the highest ranked female maybe so that all the other female employees in the workplace could go to that person and making sure that she's gone through um um training like externally because there's plenty of I think resources out there um so that could help um something that's really helpful there's like the and I think you've spoken about it before actually like mental health first aid um program um that's really important like that maybe they could even send just one of their staff members to to that because they would know how to react in certain situations um and I think for the managers like a lot of um sexual harassment does still come from um customers and I guess it's as important as, say, when you have an RSA, you have the right to, you know, kick someone out if they're um, disruptive. Um, that should be exactly the same policy for if a customer um, sexually harasses any employee. Um, if it's one comment even and you've said, look, mate, that's not right, and they still persist, there should be that line drawn in the sand where you go as a manager I'm sorry, mate, you're not welcome here. Yeah, I think that is so important because, I mean, the dynamic that's created through that that positive action, the way you so, show that you're standing beside an employee is so powerful. Um, and, you know, and, and conversely, when you show that, you know, you're like, oh, just brush it off, it's, you know, we need, you know, we need that table, whatever it is. They're a good, they're a good customer. They're coming in with a group next week. Like, you know, to, to, um, to diminish the impact of, of those behaviors and stand with the, with the customer rather than the employees. So yeah, it just can be so damaging. Um, and you know, even it, it, the, the personal impact is by far the most important, but even from a staff retention point of view, you've got to think that especially, you know, if people aren't thinking about retaining staff now and, uh, you know, the powerful actions that they can take to do that, then I just don't know when they're ever going to think about it. So it's um, certainly makes, I think, it's good business to look after your staff in that way. 
100%. And, and a lot of the time, you know, those um, those interactions, they, they will follow those staff members because if a staff member experiences that and no one stands up for them, they're going to take it into their next workplace and just think that that's normal and then that cycle is just going to continue. Yeah. Absolutely. That's such that. Yeah, that's such a good point because you think you know when you talk about kitchen brigades and all those real traditional structures. I mean, and you know, bullying in kitchens. You know, there's so much of that. Um, well, this is this is what someone did to me, so I'm going to do it to the next person. Um, so yeah, it's really it's it takes a lot of courage and strength to break those cycles or even to to see those cycles. But I think you know we're definitely at a point where um, there's enough talk about it that people can at least see it and then hopefully decide to create change. Um, so, Stephanie, you, you said you're from Singapore and I don't want to make assumptions, but I'm going to guess that you're Asian. Um, am I right? Yes. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, you know, we've talked a lot about anti-Asian racism on this podcast. I'm just wondering if there's, you know, that aspect to the kinds of things that you've experienced as well. Oh, definitely. I think... Um, there's obviously like the, you know, especially after COVID hit, you know, a lot of unwarranted comments related to, oh, you know, it's from, it's from your culture, you know, those things. But I think even um, as an Asian woman um, working, and I think that unfortunately this would be an experience that a lot of Asian women working in hospitality would actually experience because a lot of my um, staff members would actually share that with me. They would get so many unwarranted comments um, about, you know, like that would bring like race in and it like it's just really inappropriate comments like, um, you know, we've had a customer literally come up to us like during service and go, Oh, I really like your kind. And um, you're like, you, you are so like, you know, you're small and you're like, Oh wow. Okay. Like, what do you say to that? And I, I look back at it. I, and I was, you know, this happened when I owned um, my cafe. I wish I had been more firm, I guess, in my reaction, but I just remember being so shocked and just going, okay. Like I didn't expect that at all. And then you kind of laugh, it off later and then now you know in hindsight you're like wow that was really really wrong it's so hard isn't it it's it is yeah 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 it's it's just one of those shocking things that you're just like wow like it's just yeah because then you think about you know what's that is that person still saying those things are they still (laughs) thinking (laughs) those things it's yeah yeah and and is it like the shock and yeah like the instability that those kinds of comments create that mean that the person that hears it isn't able to respond in the moment, then do they think that it's been okay all those other times? So why is this, you know, why is the hundredth person calling me out? Like it's just, it just needs, yeah, it just needs so much more self-reflection in this world where people can examine their own behaviours more because it's not like the information the prompts aren't out there. Just, just so sick of all this work that people have to do to teach abusers that it's not okay. And I'm not, uh, you know, this is obviously a massive conversation in in our society right now. And I'm, you know, super angry at, um, you know, the prime minister and, you know, a whole kind of a whole bunch of other people um, that are just making other people 
do their work for them. It's just disgusting and exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a battle that you wish you didn't have to fight, but then you still take it up because it's so important that we fight now at least so that hopefully, you know, how many years down the line, like this won't be this bigger conversation anymore, we hope. So, I mean, Steph, where do you see things for yourself in, in hospitality? Do you, do you like the challenges and the culture of working in a big group? Do you imagine having your own business again one day? What's, what, what do you think? Oh, I think I, I've lucked out definitely. I found like, you know, this really incredible hospitality group that really um, prioritizes um, values first. Um, and I think that kind of has really not just it's made me feel really safe for one thing but it's really inspired me to ensure that you know whatever we work on um that we're creating these really safe um really inspirational environments for our employees because at the end of the day you know we're in this industry because we love it um and we want to create um spaces that our customers enjoy that celebrate the the human spirit as as cheesy as that is like I think that's what hospitality is about right it's shared spaces it's shared stories that's what your podcast is about so um, I think that's something that I'm really excited to do with this group Um, and then on the side as well just working on um, a a side project called Out of the Weeds is just kind of to explore I guess mental health resources for people in hospitality I think a lot of us don't actually have access to good resources Um, so just kind of creating that community for openness but also ensuring that people you know have these little things um, that they can do in their own workplaces, like say, you know, yoga classes for people in hospitality or um, physio, like physio stretches for, you know, chefs. So these little things that just make it a better work environment. That's really important to me. Mm, Yeah. Well, I've got your um, Instagram out of the weeds dot club open and it's, it's fantastic. So it's really, yeah, as you say, it's got all those sort of practical tips and also, you know, I'm looking at this one that's his signs to look out for, like, you know, looking out for signs of a workmate who might be struggling and might need some support. Um, so, you know, some of those signs might be reacting emotionally or angrily, difficulty concentrating, negative thought expressions. I think it's so so powerful just for people to have that as a reference, you know, just have in the back of their mind and just, um, I guess, yeah, for people to be able to reframe um, situations around them and, and, yeah, support one another. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's really, really nice. Um, so, yeah, good luck with that and thanks for thanks for doing that for the community, Steph. Um, I also want to talk to you about Perth because, <laughs> as you know, it hasn't been a place that people from uh, the East Coast have been able to visit much over the past couple of years. Um, how are you feeling over there and, you know, what do you think, how do you think the next months are going to roll out? Oh, it, it's definitely been an um, interesting week, I guess, for everyone here. Um, you know, like I have you know, family still in Singapore and I have a lot of friends um, in, especially in the industry, you know, it's, it's 
a lot of us here, we are migrants or we are, you know, people have come here as students and stayed on and have, are still working in the hospitality industry. And I guess feeling that despair, I guess, from everyone it is, has been quite, quite hard um, mm. and just hoping for the best. And it's one of those things, you know, it, like we're so safe here, which really has been a privilege. And I think that still has to be recognised that, you know, that's good. But then at the same time, you know, that disappointment in the government and, you know, going, you've had two years to prepare, you know, why, why hasn't that been done? So there's, you know, it is, it's quite sad, but a lot of people have kind of gone, it is what it is, which, which is sad, but we're obviously hoping that over the next few weeks, you know, we have a bit more information on, um, on what, what's going to happen because a lot of hospitality businesses as well, you know, we were kind of expecting that, you know, come February 5th, you know, borders would open. Um, obviously, there's all these safety measures we would have to to deal with, but at least that would kind of open us up to interstate and international visitors again. And now that, that discouragement of having that pushed back and going, all right, like what's going to happen now? Yeah. It's going to be interesting, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting and it's, you know, from my perspective, you know, living in Melbourne um, and going through what we've gone through, it's so it's so sort of destabilising and scary when you just start, quote, unquote, living with COVID and those case numbers go up, which is what you'll encounter eventually. And I just think it's like I feel really worried for you guys because you've been so insulated and safe which as you say is a good thing like absolutely it's it's good to not have COVID around but it's it's going to be such a shock for you I just don't know it was hard enough for us to cope with when we've been you know numbers are up numbers are down numbers are up numbers are down it's but for you guys it's going to be really full on yeah it's really interesting because like sometimes like I think Perth in itself, it's quite in, I guess, an insular um, environment. Um, and sometimes you talk to people and they're like, oh, like it, there's almost that lack of awareness of, you know, that's what's happening around the world. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to almost, that feeling here is like the apocalypse is coming almost because it's going to go from zero to like a hundred really quickly and we're doing what we can now to make sure that you know we're staying as safe as possible but I think it's still going to be a really big shock to a lot of people that like that's that's what people have been dealing with for the last two years yeah I think so too um and just to throw something at you at the last minute um do you celebrate Lunar New Year I do actually so that that is next week so that's exciting. I'm glad to at least have my family here, but obviously haven't seen a lot of family back in Singapore for, for a while, but still like it's, yeah, looking forward to all the food. Have you got a Lunar New Year classic that you just always have to have? Oh, I think just the, the cookies, Danny, like just go all out with every um every cookie imaginable like I'm not sure like whether like you know pineapple tarts like love letters if you haven't tried any of that I highly encourage you to go get some yeah 
uh, I love it. I've just been thinking about that um, tossed fish salad. Oh, um, Yushan, yes, yeah, yeah, Yushan, yeah. yeah. So so lucky to toss that salad and yeah, dump money bag dumplings and yeah, it's just such a great celebration. And I'm not sure what year of the tiger is going to bring, but I got a pretty good feeling about it. Yeah, let let's always <laughs> hope for the best. Yeah, definitely. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to say? No, I think just thank you. Like I really love hearing everyone's stories on this this podcast. It just reminds you constantly um, that's why we're in this business. Like it's just so many varied stories of the human experience. And I guess just to be, be kind, you know, I think that's the general sentiment at the moment. And I was just saying to a friend earlier, like, you know, it's quite sad that you know, places have to actually put posters up to remind customers to be kind. But I think that's really important that we just keep being kind to to strangers that we encounter. Uh, I'm so with you on that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's nothing There's nothing more important. Um, well, Steph, I really um, am grateful uh, for your courage in chatting to me today. I know this isn't an easy conversation for you to have and, um, yeah, really, really appreciate it and um, I'm sure that it's going to be a conversation that means a lot to a lot of people and yeah it becomes part of the change that we all want to see so thank you so much thanks for having me Danny. all right take care and I'll see you in Perth hopefully and I'll hopefully see you in Melbourne yeah this is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant we air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.